moved. And how many just remember that shalom peace? Just, man, it was a peace that surpassed any understanding and knowledge. And you just like, oh, right? In his presence is the fullness of joy. It's, it's that peace. You know, the, the government of heaven rests on peace. And, and when you know the Holy Spirit, the dove is there or not, is when you feel peace. When that peace lifts, you know that that's, that's my governing agent is peace. Whether I decide to move a job or go here or go there, I feel it's a peace in this. And if there's not peace, I really don't feel it's of God. When I feel peace, I move into it. If I don't feel peace, I step back. And um, But I just really feel that this week we just need to get in the rhythm of leaning back. And we were, we were camping with some of the people in our life group. That was a lot of fun. And uh, man, we just had a good time. We, we were going into the camping trip a week. And um, it was showing 80% chance of rain yesterday. Right? All week long. 50% Friday, 80% Saturday, and 50% again on Sunday. I'm like, oh, man. How many enjoy camping in a tent in the rain? Corey's the only one. Oh, they do. Alaskans, figures. <laughs> but anyway, I'm like, I do not like camping in the rain with five little kids, or, I'm oh, sorry, three, one on the way. So, but we had other kids there. Okay, they count. Uh, is that prophetic, Nicole? No. <laughs> We've already been told they're not twins in there. But anyway, here, here's the deal. You know, I'm like, I don't want to do this. We just start praying. Like, I'll just, just let the rain stop at least till Sunday night. Let us get unpacked. Let us, you know, all this stuff. And uh, I tell you what, it kept dropping and dropping and dropping. And how many of what Dave said last weekend, you know, there could be a 20% chance of rain when we focus on 20% chance of rain rather than saying 80% chance of sunshine. Amen. They're just pulling out that joy. You know, they call them gold diggers, but yet they sort through tons of dirt, but they don't call them dirt diggers because they're looking for the gold. And that's what God's doing with each of us, and that's what we should be doing and everybody around us is searching out the gold and the greatness and the just the amazement of people around us. Instead of focusing on the 20% chance of rain or the dirt, we start focusing on the sunshine and the gold. Amen? Yes, amen. So anyway, that's been my week, and uh, so here I am. But I just, we've had some visiting ministers in, and, uh, in the last couple weeks, and I just feel like there's like ah, a lot of stuff, just been a lot of work. And uh, I just, I, I told my brother, I haven't had a chance to tell my dad, I just really feel led to preach a few weeks in a row here. And uh, usually I only preach a week or two, and I, I circulate, and we rotate, and because and I believe in empowering and equipping and sending, uh, so it's not just me up here on the podium, and we have four praise and worship leaders that rotate, because we believe that you're the body, amen? amen. You are leaders, you are, you are born with a destiny, and to serve in the kingdom, and to add value to it. So it's not just about me and what I can offer. But I started thinking, and everybody started asking me, you know, did you preach a series on these on these panels up here? What's the significant significance of each word? I was like, I don't know. They just picked them. It was around Easter, and they just thought they were great words. So I just started praying about it and leaning into that, and, and I just decided I was my next message I was preaching anyway was this message on trust, and it's just been burning in me, been been uh, really just been cultivating when I was in the hospital visiting Cesar one, one day, um, just started just really focusing on a couple stories in the Bible that no matter how it looks, no matter what those breathing tubes look like, no matter what those chest tubes look like, God will still trust you. Yeah. And uh, so God gave me a couple stories that were fitting to that. So my first message is going to be trust. And so I'm like, no, let's, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it four weeks in a row. Here we go, right to left. Because uh, we're just going to change it up because everything always has to be left to right. Some of you OCD people will just pray healing over you. He's not starting on peace. We're left to right. Now we're going to just change up. I might even switch it up from there because I have trust. I have some stuff on peace and we'll just we'll figure this out. All right. Yeah. All right. Give somebody a fist bump next to you. Now we're going to preach. I believe that there's a lot of things that hinder trust. And I've just been praying all week, and God woke me up at 4 in the morning and gave me a bunch of stuff today. Um, but I just believe that there's a lot of things that hinder trust. First off, our past, a lot of times, determines our present. And if somebody hurt me in a church, and, and we get a lot of people that were hurt, that were wounded, that were used, abused at different churches, and they come in here because this is a safe place, and we celebrate people, and we just we love that. And we'll always be that. And we, we, you know, feel, people feel a tangible love in here. And it's, it's amazing. And we're, we're so proud of that. Because we never want to lose the, the core of God. And God is love, right? So, 
So anyway, I just a lot of times, you know, it's hard for people to trust us, trust me as a pastor, based on their pastors. So there's already a wall, there's already something closed off there because of what's happened to them in their past. Now they hold that against me. Or they hold it against the other leaders in the church, or it's just the system of church. And, and I was hurt by religion, and I was wounded hard, and, and a lot of things happened to me as a child, and 12, 13, 14 years old. And I remember 12 years old, 13 years old, saying, if that's God, I want nothing to do with Him, and if that's church, forget about it. I remember saying that at 12 years old, and I set out in my heart right then, for the next 10 to 14 years of my life, that I was not going to serve God, I was not going to be part of His church, and I wanted nothing to do with her. At all. Nothing to do with her with this bride. So so that was just, it was hard. So And, and I understand that now, and I, I can see where a lot of people are coming from, because that hurt. When you have trusted somebody, you become vulnerable, and you open yourself up, now all of a sudden that's crushed. Or, or you see it in marriages, and, and we do that, and then all of a sudden it leads to divorce, or it leads to something, and, and I believe God... His restoration and His healing power and all that. We don't ever look down at anybody who's been divorced or any of that. But then it really, you become gun-shy to ever date again. Or if you lose a spouse to, to death or whatever, then you're like, you know, God didn't heal. And you, you, you then not only will maybe never trust a spouse again, or if maybe, God forbid, somebody dealt with adultery or were, were part of that in your relationship, then all of a sudden you'll never trust another person again. And that, that penetrates deep. But then we get to the trust of God. And it's like, you know, if God didn't heal my mom, then, then how can I trust He'll heal anybody else? Right? If God didn't do this, and God didn't do that, and God doesn't do this, and God hasn't given me the million dollars, then how can I trust He's going to pay this next bill? And I've said here a few weeks ago, you know, we, we really need to start focusing on what God's doing, not what He's not doing. It's just like the sunshine. We need to focus on more of what the solution is and who God is rather than the problem because trust me, His grace is sufficient. Amen. Amen. We don't need to worry. Think about this. We sing this song with our kids. God's got the whole world in His hands. And yet, we want to take things and take matters in our own hands and, we want to, and if we continue to do that, we're going to end up with a whole bunch of Ishmaels around here. If we start to distrust God and we start to take matters in our own hands and we want to fix stuff, we're going to end up with premature Ishmaels rather than waiting on the Isaacs. Amen. And, and I feel that it's time that we just start trusting God. And, and, and Nicole and I, we've, we've been talking about this for a few months now. And, and, and Lake had been telling me, and I think he even mentioned this a year ago, his travel companion, his name's Todd, he's from Seattle. And he's a couple years older than Lake, and he was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer just a little over a year ago. He was given one year to live. And, and, and this was one of the biggest challenges in, in Todd's life and even Leigh's life. And, and Todd called him, and so this was a lot of his fun off just conversations about this. And he said, you know, for my whole life, I've trusted God based on what I've seen, and now I have to trust God based on what I'm not seeing. Because typically, we, wanna, we, we say, show me God, and I'll trust you. Show me, then I'll trust you. But really, God's asking for the response, trust me, then he'll show us. The trust comes first, and then all of a sudden these things are revealed. And we're just going to go through a couple scripture passages, and, and we're just going to pray that God restores trust. Because there's some other things that, that really interfere with trust. One of them is fear. Fear penetrates to the core. And, and the Bible says in Timothy that God doesn't give us a spirit of fear or timidity, but power, love, and sound mind. But yet when we have fear, all of a sudden we want to control things. Look, just, just say this. I can't control people. Say that. When you start to distrust God, you begin to want to control people and take things in your own hands and fix everything. Right? God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. He wants you to listen more than you talk, and He wants you just to be there for somebody more than you want to fix all their problems. God is so much better at fixing problems than we are. And if we just wait, when, when I get crazy voicemails, and those of you who try to call me, my voicemails usually fall because I get about six or eight voicemails a day. And, and I'm trying to always keep up with it and delete them and, and call people back. But sometimes they just get overwhelmed. And honestly, sometimes I'm just like, I just need a couple hours here. No voicemails. But anyway, I'll, I'll listen to some of the and especially when Nicole and I were pastoring a youth. If we would get a voicemail, oh, Johnny, he's flipping out. And they want me because I have a super P on my chest for pastor. Why be a youth pastor that I can go and fix Johnny 20 minutes away so he doesn't disrespect mom ever again? 
Because I'm Aaron. <laughs> and I'm a youth pastor. <laughs> no. So early on when I was immature, I would just dive right into that. Like, yeah, let me talk to him. You know, I'll, I'll, we'll drive right there. We'll meet with you guys. You know? And then all of a sudden, I'm in the middle of this chaos and, and nothing ever came of it. So now what I do is, if I get one of those voice notes, I wait 24 hours or 12 hours. I'll call the next morning. Hey, how's it going? How's, how's Johnny? Oh, he's fine. A couple hours later, he came out of his room and apologized to me. We, we had a great time. We cooked some popcorn and watched a movie. And Man, he's such a good kid. I just sometimes get a little stressed out with my job. And it's like I just have learned to trust. And a lot of times you're, you're in these dilemmas at work and whatever. And I know there's a time to, to go and a time to lean back. And anyways, one story I was going to tell while we were camping was this. And I got sidetracked. We're camping, right? And, you know, like the primitive camping with the pool and the electric and the Wi-Fi through the whole campground. Okay? So we're really roughing it. Okay? And uh, all of a sudden, we see a Segway go by. We're like, a Segway? This is amazing. It's like a 75-year-old woman on a Segway. Like... That's awesome. I want one of those really bad. But anyway, we just started talking. Those of us who saw it we were just around the tables or campfire. And we're like, man, that is the rhythm of God. Knowing when to lean forward and knowing when to lean back. And when it's a season to lean forward and go. Because how many know the Bible says in his great commission, go. But then he's also in seasons, he's saying, be still and know on God. He's saying, stay. So it's like, oh, God, what do we do? Do we go and stay? But here's the deal. The segue is knowing when to lean forward and knowing when to lean back. Going forward makes you go. Leaning back makes you stop. You even go backwards. And, and the investment time of the leaning back is so much more crucial than the going forward. Because if we can perfect the still times, then the going times are that much easier. <clears throat> Let me believe that. I just want to paint a picture and then we'll read two passages and that's it. I just want to just get this in your heart, get this in your spirit about trusting God. And uh, I had a phone call just a couple weeks ago, and, and uh, I'm on the phone, and it's this big chaos and this big tragedy that happened. And, and I'm like, I'm just, I'm just going to, I knew going into I'm just going to release the peace of God in this situation. So it's like, all this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and I'm, like, and I'm just, oh, that's too bad. You know, you know God, he, he, he can really take care of that. And he's really good at it. And you know what? You don't even need to fix it. This might be really good. What the enemy is for destruction in, in, in Genesis, it says, Genesis 50, he says God will actually turn around and use it for good. So no matter if this was, listen, we think God's always punishing us. No, it's usually the enemy. It's almost always the enemy. If it's not good, it's the enemy. So he means for destruction. God will still turn around and use it for good. So I just released the peace of God in this phone conversation. And all of a sudden, you know, at the end, we're laughing and we're just carrying on and yeah, I guess it wasn't that big of a deal anyway. God, he'll take care of it. Yeah. He really will. He's really good at that. He's kind of a problem solver. He, he, he pretty much made the earth in six days. All of it. And it still creates and it still is fruitful and it's still multiplying, right? So he's doing a pretty good job of that. So I think he can handle our bank accounts and our marriages and our children. Amen? Amen? Amen. Our job. Our all these things, and all of us were like, ah, it's the end of the world, we're gonna, ah. God's just want to say, hmm. everybody just practice that, just take a deep breath. The other night at the dinner table, I'm just sharing my heart today, I, don't, I just don't feel like the, today, just sharing my heart, and at the dinner table the other night, maybe last week, it's just chaos, man. If you live with a three-year-old, five-year-old, seven-year-old girl and a, and a 20, 21-year-old girl and a wife who's pregnant and... Uh, <laughs> you wonder why my hair's always messed up? So, so we're sitting there. It's just this chaos. So I just told the girls, so I was like, stop. What I want you to do is just breathe in God's presence right now. And breathe out all the stress of your day. You know, I'm just, I'm just explaining this to them. Listen, when we breathe in, we're breathing in the goodness of God and everything that He is. And I want you to breathe out that everything is a problem to you right now. So, so, just, so let's just practice that one time. 
you know, the, the old counselors and stuff, count to 10, then react. Because you never want to react angry. How many know that you never want to discipline your kids angry? That's because when you rest and you actually kind of get this, you can actually stop talk civilized in a civilized manner and actually try to get to the root of the problem while your kid's acting that way. And it might just be a love deficit and they miss you. It might just be they need time with papa or mama. It might be they've just never been taught. It might be they need a little loving correction. Not against that. But here's the deal. If we just take a deep breath, rather than escalating the problem and... I'm going to spank you for the 17th time. I'm threatening you. And if you don't stop that, I'm really going to take care of business this time. How many have been there? No, no, I really mean it this time. Because ultimately, you really don't want to do that. But you keep threatening it because you want to inflict fear because you think fear is going to change something when really perfect love casts out all fear. So it's the love of God that turns men. It's the goodness of God that turns men to repentance. So anyway, here's a perfect picture, and then let's just move on. I think I've established the foundation of trust. And it's so worth it just to trust God. So you got Peter. You got these guys on the boat, all right? And Jesus is walking on water. I'm just going to paraphrase this, then we'll get into some scripture. Everybody's like, well, Peter sunk. He just he didn't even have enough faith. I didn't see anybody else getting up out of that boat. I didn't see anybody else taking the risks that Peter took and having even the amount of faith that Peter took to take a step out of the boat. Right? I've tried to walk on water and I've not yet succeeded. Have you? But yet so many preachers will preach this message to ridicule, ridicule Peter for losing faith. So I, I've literally tried to walk on water. Am I the only weirdo in here? If it's in the Bible, I want to do it. I was just talking to, to the group of people today. I want to teleport. I was like, well, maybe God's modern-day version of teleportation is the airplanes. I was like, no, I want real teleportation, like walk through a wall or something, right? But like, I, I go to the pool, and I'm like, ah. I go again. We were doing it at St. Lucia, us and the kids. We were just like trying to step off the step. Like, let's walk on water. I believe Jesus can do this. You know, but anyway, so Peter's getting out of this boat. He's walking. And I just, I want to just paint this picture for you because faith is a result of trust. So Peter's trusting Jesus as he walks across the water. And when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, we don't lose sight of what's happening, right? But every time we take our eyes off Jesus, we start to sink. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus, we rise to the occasion. And every part of our life rises to the equation. And all of a sudden, we're getting upgrades. We're getting promotions. We're getting these things as we're fixing our eyes on Jesus. And that's what I'm saying. The presence time is so valuable. And if we just lean back and trust God and just sit and seek his kingdom first and trust him, then all of a sudden, when we go to move and we put on these sandals of peace, we're actually going and God is way more effective with us rising to every occasion and every trial and every circumstance we face we can actually face it with joy. James 1, 2, count all the trials you go through. Joy. How do you count it joy? Because I already know God's going to take care of it. I already know God's going to take care of my children. I already know that God's going to take care of my bills. Now, it doesn't mean I don't go to work tomorrow. We have to use some common sense. God did give us a mind and thought, you know, to be able to process and actually do stuff. And like we, we, I know people are like, well, we'll just sit here and wait. That's great. But who's preaching to the people, one billion people that's never heard the name of Jesus if everybody's just sitting in the church and waiting? I believe there's an investment time of waiting and then going. Being still, then going. Because even Romans says, how will they know if no one, no one brings it, no one preaches it? How will they know? How will, how will anybody hear if they're not sent? They don't go. So I believe in that. So here's Peter, he's, and, and, and I'm just saying, as we trust God, everything else rises. See, because if we trust, then he'll show us. It's not a matter of showing us. But see, trust only comes when there's a willingness to be open and allow it. I love the old hymns, and I, I still find myself singing some and just raising up, being raised up in a church. And, and as a little boy, I, just, I like some of the old ones. And I like how sometimes we'll take a new song and put a tag in it that's the old stuff. I like that, and I appreciate that. It's not, I'm just going to be honest with you, it's not something I want to do all the time, because I love the new stuff. 
right? God says bring a new song, so I'm thankful for that. But anyway, I just, there's so many people that are like, I'm not going to trust anybody because my theme song is, I shall not be moved. <laughs> Preacher, you ain't moving me. I don't care what love message you're giving. I don't care what you're doing because this boat ain't moving. I shall not be moved. I will not be shaken because what can't be shaken won't be shaken. I shall not be moved. I don't care what stuff you're saying. I don't care about trust. Right? <laughs> I hope none of you are like that. I don't like Pastor Aaron. I don't like the art on the stage. I don't like the flags flying around this place. And I don't like the little kids dancing in front. Now David dance his clothes off. Just a little memo there. David danced so vigorously. He danced before the Lord with all of his might. Danced right out of his growing claw. But we get a little offended when little kids are up here actually experiencing the goodness and joy of God. Amen. That might be a distraction to the people trying to worship around me. <laughs> Fix your eyes on Jesus. Quit being distracted. Amen. So anyway, just, just trust me. Let's get, let's get back here. But when we trust, it's like, you know, I trust God. I trust God for putting Aaron in that position. I trust where the church is going because I trust God. Yeah. Yeah. I've said before, you don't necessarily have to trust me. You just have to trust God. You feel him in this place? He's here. Did you get touched in this place? Have your kids been saved in this place? I mean, something's happening here. When somebody's back is just healed in worship service, that's pretty impressive to me. And I know God's presence is dwelling here. So something's happening. Right? A couple weeks ago, this many people, 30 people healed in this place. Radically healed. Knees, backs, all kinds of stuff. Right? Kids, cancer's gone. Dustin's being commissioned to go pray for his aunt and his grandma. And his family doesn't, like, aggressively serve God. Right? Okay. I was trying to be polite. Non-judgmental. But God's using Dustin to reveal the goodness of God to them. So something's happening. So I, you don't even have to like me, but I'd really love you to love me. Right? Here's the other thing that prevents trust, and I'm just going to move on to two stories. And then I just believe we're going to just lay down some things that are interfering. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness of the things I mentioned earlier. That's where I was getting at. Prevents us from trusting anybody else. If I'm holding on to something that an ex-spouse, or if I'm holding on to something an ex-pastor, or if I'm holding on to something somebody hurt me by, now all of a sudden I can't move on and I will not serve in that church because I'm not getting hurt again. I will not be taken advantage of ever again. So I'm going to go to the church and I, I like what's happening there and the worship's really good. I like the loud music, but I, I'm not. I'm not investing my time. I might not even invest my money. Your treasure is where your heart is. And the last thing that goes is people's time and people's money. And if you're willing to trust God with that, you're going to see radical transformation, radical revival in your life. I'm not asking for your money. I'm, I'm, your time is more important to me than that. Matter of fact, God doesn't even care about the amount. He just wants a cheerful giver. What do we give? Not just money. We give ourselves. He says, present yourselves a living sacrifice. Amen. How do we do that? By trusting Him. Trusting. When I, when I begin to tithe, I, I begin to trust God that He's going to do way more with my 90 than I was with my 100. Amen. It's His. He's going to multiply. It's, it's an incredible mathematical puzzle to me. How in the world does He do multiply, stretch out these dollars? In one year, I sold a lawn care company losing $15,000 of income a year. I took it to motion at work so that I could be here on the weekends. I work as a firefighter paramedic and I, and I didn't any longer with the 24-hour schedule where I miss every third Sunday. So I take it to motion where I get no overtime so I can work four 10-hour days a week. And then at the same year, my wife quits teaching to stay at home with now our three children. Significant loss of income. So I'm like, okay, God, you're just going to have to show up here. And sure enough, God began to multiply. We sold a camper. We sold a couple brand new cars. And guess what? We're, we're actually still, I have a pulse still. <laughs> I, I'm still breathing. I don't drive around in a brand new Dodge Ram anymore. And if you do, that's great. God bless you. I want you to, to succeed. And, and, and I can't wait to get a new car again. A newer car. I can't wait to upgrade my wife's car. 
She goes, in 2001, and we've been praying. We're like, God, you're just going to make it happen. And, and I've, I've told her how excited I am by trusting God and seeing how he's going to upgrade her car. Because we don't have the, the down payment for it. We don't have, we want to pay cash for it. We don't want to, we don't want to be in debt. So we want to pay cash for it. And I'm like, God, this is going to be awesome. Because we need like $10,000 for this to happen. And I can't wait for you to show up. This is going to be sweet. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I trust you because if this thing breaks, you're just going to replace it or figure out something for us. Right? I don't drive to down, I don't drive down the street worried that my car is going to break down. It's mine's a Subaru. Will not break down. Anyway, let's, I want to reveal two stories to you and then I'm done. Everybody say yes. 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 I'm going to just go to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And this was going to be the foundational verse that I just kind of skipped over. Say, God is bigger than any one of my problems. All right. So we're going to go to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says this. And you can just write this down and take it away. Everybody say trust. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Trust in the Lord. And listen, I don't have to understand what's going on. I don't have to see what's happening. I trust he'll show me. I don't have to be shown and then I'll trust. Listen, God is good. Uh, Leif and I were texting this week and he's at this... They're, they're, I believe that the American church or the church in general, I believe that people have perverted prophecy. We, we joke around about it and, and we say, we're going to have prophetic words. Just tell everybody they're amazing. Because it's actually a prophecy. The testimonies that we bring up here are actually prophecies. Because we're actually raising your faith to let you know that this can happen in your life or somebody else's life that you know. This is just a start of what he's continually doing, right? When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, when I was filled up with Jesus, it's a continual infilling, right? So as I'm filled, it's, a prof it's prophetic. So, so prophetic is really supposed to, it's, it's, I believe God's purpose for it was to, one of, one of the main purposes at least, was to bring out the goodness in you or others that they or you may not be seeing in yourself. You see what I mean? If I begin to prophesy or speak encouragement over Kendra and say, I see you going to Atlanta, I see you as a world changer, I see you this. Basically, I'm pulling out the gold in her so that she can begin to believe in herself so she can see where the path might lead her. You see, it's not saying, well, I see these troubled times ahead of you, and I believe that God's going to bring down this curse, and he's going to send this storm, and it's, you know, it's going to hit New Orleans because of all the sin there. I don't believe God punishes. Right? Jesus was the answer to everything. Well, he did in the Old Testament. Jesus became the answer for everything that needed fulfilled in the Old Testament. Right? So, so anyway, Jesus, and, and prophecy, or, or if we decide to, to operate in that, which it says actually pursue that gift, just so you know. It says seek after all of these, but most of all, prophecy. So as we, as we do this, we move in this, we've got to be careful because there's so many doom and bloomers. And a couple of them have happened to be right about a typhoon hitting the Philippines. And now they're being made famous, saying God was bringing punishment upon a land, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I just really don't feel that that was pointing to Jesus. Because prophecy should ultimately point you and draw you into Jesus. And to me, if I'm a people that's on the island of Philippines and I know that God just punished me, I'm thinking, you know, because fear will only last so long, Right? I want my kids to serve me and to do what's right because they love me, not because they're afraid that I can spank them. Say an amen on that one. Amen. So, so anyway, I was joking around with Lave this week, and he's like, I was just, we were doing the 28-day challenge together. And I texted him, I was like, Joy Bomb, coming your way. And he's like, I really need it because he's at this prophetic conference with all these people. And, and we were kind of joking around. And by the way, we, I don't, I'm not saying they're ungodly. I'm not saying they're... they're some of them may tend to be false prophets. Anyway, here's the deal. It says the Bible says be very careful about that. Because I just believe that every prophecy should be, should be pointing you somehow to Jesus. Okay? So I'm off of that. This is a little teaching on prophecy 101. At least my version. Okay? Um, there's, other, there's other purposes, but that's the main one in my opinion. So, so here's the deal. So I was like, here's a prophecy. Maybe they should invite me to speak next year. God has always been good. God is good. And God will always be good. 
That's prophetic, right? That's really what we dwell on. God is good. He's always been good, and He always will be good. That's fact. It's, it's tangible. It's here. We want to focus on, well, what about this? What about that? What, well, what's happening? Listen, the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Let God arise and the enemies be scattered. I don't know the answers to Gaza. I don't know the, the answers to ISIS. I, I don't know these answers. And, I, and honestly, I don't know what all of it means. Does everything that happened point to the end times? Yes, because today we're a day closer than we were yesterday. I believe God's returning for a church. I believe this. I believe in the rapture. I believe it's biblical. I believe in it. But it does not control what I do in a day because I'm not fearful. Come on. If knowing about the, the not being peace in Palestine or Israel right now changes the way I operate and changes the way I minister or do life, I should probably change something anyway. If that inflicts any fear upon me or changes my message, I sh I'm probably not giving the right message. Because God's coming back. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. How it's going to happen and how it's unfold, I really don't know. I'm not one of those guys who gets crazy studying it and infatuated with it. I just know. Listen, I, I love what Jennifer said. It begins well and it ends well. I read the book of endings. It begins well, it ends well. We know we win. We get so wrapped around the axle. This is a bunny trail, but I'm going to follow it for just a second. We get so wrapped around the axle arguing and actually dividing the church on things like post-trib and pre-trib and, and oh, whatever. Right? Yeah. Rather than uniting as the bride of Christ and reaching the 1.2 billion that's never heard the name of Jesus, we're sitting up in these boardrooms arguing about things that really don't matter because it's the goodness of God that leads them into repentance. Not the fear and trembling. Hell is real. I believe that. But we need to quit focusing on the problems and start focusing on Him as the solution. I can't say that enough today. We trust in that. Maybe this is fitting just for what's happening in our media right now. What's happening in Israel, what's happening at the Gaza Strip, what's happening in Iraq right now. We, we told this to my daughter. <sighs> Feeling this for a second. I woke up at 2 in the morning on our first night camping, which isn't uncommon when you're camping in a tent, right? You wake up often. So I get on my iPad, you know, with our Wi Fi throughout the whole campground. It's just amazing. <laughs> Technology amazes me. And I'm reading the BBC news. That's a news that I, I typically read just as a snapshot. I like to be informed, but I, I don't dwell on the negativity of the news. Because I know God's bigger. So, so I'm reading it, and, and Nicole and I were just talking at the breakfast table the next morning about um, Obama approving the airstrikes, right? So, so Chloe's like, well, what's that? I'm like, oh, boy. Here we go. The first question. She's seven. It's the first question, like, what is airstrikes? What is war? What is, what, you know, these things. She's starting to capture some of it. We're like, well, there's, there's, there's some bad people killing Christians, and why would they do that? Well, they don't know Jesus. We're trying to simplify this. I said, so our president, and we're not, we don't dishonor our president. Whether I agree with him or disagree with him, I honor him. Yes. Amen. Come on, man. I honor our country. I honor our leadership. That's the Bible says, love honors what love looks like, right? Yes. Honor my elders. I, I respect them. So anyway, whether I agree or not. So, so we're just honoring him. We're saying, well, he's approved this. And, well, what's that mean? Well, they're going to try to find those bad guys, and they're going to use airplanes, and, and they're probably going to try to, to bomb them. That's just stupid. <laughs> Seven-year-old. Why would you do that? Why? Is it that? Isn't there a better solution? I said, yeah, maybe there is. It's Jesus. Well, then why don't we just send people over there and they can tell them about Jesus? I said, well, you know, Papa Leib and so many people are doing that. I said, but there's not enough of them. I said, these bad people, they don't want to believe in Jesus. And they're killing people who do. And, uh, and I tell you, she's like, well, I, I don't agree with that. I said, well, maybe God's just calling you to do something about it.
Maybe God is, is raising you up to get in government and make decisions and, and bring light and bring Jesus into these places. Or maybe he's calling you to be a missionary in, in Iraq or something. Maybe, maybe he's really calling you to do this. Yeah, probably because I don't agree with that. <laughs> I love the times we live in, and I'm just going to wrap up with two stories, and I'll just give you the scriptures and I'll paraphrase. I love the times we live in. We live in the flattest world we've ever lived in with, with, with the whole world at our fingertips. And we were talking about this when we were camping, but it also presents some complications, especially raising children. How do you explain an airstrike okay by our government to kill other people for killing people in a seven-year-old's eyes? The Bible talks about war. I'm not necessarily against war when it's necessary. Okay, so this is not a political message. I don't get wrapped up in that. But how do you explain that to a seven-year-old? And these are the times we live in. What is Gaza? What is these things? And these are things that we have to... Why do our children... I just went to a training. I'm part of the RTF team now for active shooters. And I go in while the shooter's still in a school as a paramedic. And I try to pull people out. So why do our schools now have to practice active shooter drills like tornado drills? These are the times we live in. And, and I'm not saying I agree with them. I'm not saying I disagree. It's just... It stinks. But I would imagine every generation has been to this point saying, we live in rough times. It's never been like this, because it's never been like this. But yet, if you look at this side, you look at the glass half full, and you just trust in God. Remember Leif saying in Cuba, everybody says, I want to be back in the Bible times. I want to be back here. I want to do this. And, and you know, the Bible, then 3,000 were added to them, and he fed 5,000. Well, Leif just showed a video last, last week where 87,000 became Christians in one meeting. So we do, we live in the greatest times possible, but how are you looking at it? We can look at it, we can go through fear, we can go through these things, or we can just trust in God saying, yeah, we live in the greatest times ever. We do, we are given the greatest opportunity of any generation ever. For one thing, there's more technology at our fingerprint, fingertips. The other thing is there's more people who need Jesus now than there's ever been. Amen. And you're the one to do something about it. Whether it's a Facebook page, whether it's sowing seed into another ministry, whether it's intercessory prayer, whether it's going out to the nations, whether it's going to the school and bringing the goodness of God to, to a hospital, whatever it is, God's calling you. As we trust in Him and He's got this whole thing in His hands, now we go. Right? Two situations in the Bible. First off, I want to talk about Nebuchadnezzar and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So, so Nebuchadnezzar wanted the three, let's just call them amigos, because their names are really difficult and long. They wanted the three to bow to the idol and the, the golden statue, and they basically refused, right? So this is in Daniel 3, and it's 28 through 30, and then it's 14 through 18 where it starts, and then 28 through 30. And I just, I want to start somewhere in the middle there, where it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. I, I just found that interesting this week as I'm reading the, the text of this. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. Can you imagine the tone in their voice? When you say, oh, honey. Right? It's like, it's like a term of, oh, you're cute. Right? Oh, Nicole. You know, how many have done that with your kids? Oh, Olivia. That's silly. You don't know what you're talking about. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. Right? Can you just picture that? Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. We do not need to defend ourselves before you. How many know that God is not a God that needs defended? Amen. We always want to argue. We want to push God down the throat. Just reveal Him. Amen. And I'm wrapping up. I know it's getting windy here. Defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Still showing honor to Nebuchadnezzar, which I find that great. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Can you just picture them saying this? We trust God. Even if he doesn't show himself, even if he doesn't save us, we still trust Him, and we're never going to bow down to your God, your majesty. Isn't it funny as you put it in that context? Reading on down, 
Then Nebuchadnezzar, they, they go to the fire furnace. We know the story. They're saved. They see a fourth man standing in the fire. He's an angel. He's protection. And, and they're saved. They don't die. And he had the fiery furnace go so many times hotter than it's ever been, right? So this is the story. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, so here's after he witnesses this. They were trusting. We'll go in the fiery furnace because we're not going to bow down to your God. We're not going to bow down to just seeking a promotion. We're going to seek kingdom first. How many would agree that anything that's not seeking kingdom first becomes an idol? We can seek money. We can seek that new car. We can seek that. And, 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 and we can seek a spouse. But when we seek God, we inherit that stuff. Yes. We don't seek a spouse and inherit God. We seek God and we inherit a spouse. Because yeah, we trust. So, so whatever is not seeking kingdom first becomes an idol. So then all of a sudden, we're not going to bow down to that idol. You fill in the blank. It may not be a statue. It may be hunting. It may be fishing. It may be golf. And those things are never bad in and of themselves. But when we seek that first, then it becomes an idol. Amen. How often should we repent? Anytime our thoughts don't align with heaven. Then Nebuchadnezzar, he witnesses this and said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. Everybody say trust. Trust. Trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to, to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb. And their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Yes. Then the king promoted them to even higher positions to the province of Babylon. When we trust in God, we rise to the occasion. People yeah. walking along. When we trust in God, I knew I'd get here eventually. When we trust in God, we rise to the occasion. And listen, they were promoted higher than they'd ever been before as they trusted in God. Circumstances may have looked bad, but they said, we'll trust you, then show us. And it radically changed Nebuchadnezzar, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It radically transformed him so much, he basically turns a nation upside down and says, anybody that turns against this God who obviously had to rescue them, they'll be ripped limb to limb. Amen. Take that with an explanation point. Yeah. Right? Next story, Doubting Thomas, going on to John 20. John 20, I'm actually in the NLT this time. I think I was last time too. John 20, 24 through 29. And then we're going to almost end here. Quickly, quickly. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas. We know him as Doubting Thomas. He goes up and all the, the disciples see him. He had him. He's like, well, let me just put it out there this way. i got to see Jesus to believe it. I'm not going to believe it unless I see him. Trust me. He'll show us. Not show me. I'll trust you. Right? So here's, here's Daddy Thomas, and here's what happened. I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into them and place my hand in the wound of his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, Jesus said. Then he said to, the, to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound of my side. Don't be faithless any longer believe trust then he says this my lord and my god thomas exclaimed then jesus told him you believe because you have seen blessed are those who believe without seeing me trust me i'll show you you don't have to see anything to trust me just trust me then i'll show you right we always want to see it and, and what that breeds is and, and, it, and it breeds this phenomenon where now all of a sudden the miracles need to get greater and greater and greater for me to trust. I no longer celebrate the ankle that was healed. And now I'm focusing on, on the 20% God didn't heal the ankle, but the 80% of the pain that disappeared, we don't celebrate because we wanted 100. Yeah. If you went to any doctor, you'd celebrate that doctor say how great he is if he took 80% of your pain away. But suddenly when God doesn't heal 100% or, or he heals the major parts but you still have tingling in your fingers or something, you know what I mean, something little, now suddenly we focus on what he's not done and the, and the problem rather than what he has done is the solution. 
So here he's saying, blessed are those who believe without having to see. Trust me, I'll show you. Last thing is this. I just want to talk about faith for a second. You can stand and the musicians can come. We're just going to just pray for a radical increase of trust. Anybody who, who needs healing, anybody who has struggled with fear, who has struggled with hurts from previous churches or leadership or, or, or relationships, we just want to pray for you, that you can trust again, that you can trust God again. Maybe you've been let down by God. Maybe God didn't reveal himself to you the way you thought he should have. We just, we're just going to pray for you. We'll just open this up here in a few minutes. And we just want to pray for you. And then we also want to pray for Cesar and Sonia as they may try to go back to Mexico this week or very soon. We don't want to miss the opportunity to bless them and pray for them. Uh, but anyway, here's, here's the last verse. So faith comes. Well, let's go to Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of not things seen. Or in the NLT it says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. And in Romans 10, it says, so faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. So faith comes from hearing, not just having heard. We can't live on yesterday's bread. We can't continually live on what God's done and has done in the past. He continually makes himself real, but we trust no matter what he's doing. As we raise our faith and we raise our trust, not even being able to see it, then all of a sudden more things are going to start to happen. As we seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added unto you, right? The Bible says, delight in me and I'll honor the desires of your heart. Because it's hard enough to honor the desires of your heart when you're delighting in Jesus. Right? You guys can start playing. So here's what we're going to do. I was, uh, John was, John Reed, he's one of the greeters. Is John, are you in here? There you are. Superman, you're amazing. You are Superman. Love you. Uh, so, so here's here's the deal. John John came in on a Tuesday night prayer, and uh, every Tuesday night we have corporate prayer. We want to invite you to that 7:30 8:30 every Tuesday. This Tuesday we're going to be leaning back, soaking for 45 minutes, then do a 15 minute activation. Just just getting filled up continually and filling. So John came in one night, and man, he was just he was down, and we were just sharing encouraging words with each other, and. Um, he said, I just, I can't stop being angry. I can't stop wanting to fix everything. I can't, and I just fret about everything. And I think the encouraging word that somebody gave to him was, don't fret. God's got it under control. And he's like, but I fret about everything. And I just used that specific word today. I fret about everything. I worry about everything. And, and God just gave me this thing. And, and on, a, on a guitar board here, these, these side notes here, and that's how you press in and know the notes that you're getting to. Does everybody know that? If you didn't, now you do. It's your first guitar lesson. I don't know how to play guitar. But anyway, these are called frets. This is a fret board. These are called frets. Each metal line goes down a, a, a key or whatever. So I just began to declare over John, don't fret, but fret. Fret has, has two meanings. The, the, I guess it would be adverb or whatever. It's warning about something. You're trying to take matters in your own hands and you're worrying and you're trying to fix everything and you're constantly on this, this hamster wheel of spinning and it's called life and it's like, oh, I can't keep up. But then when we fret the noun, something on a guitar that makes music, now all of a sudden we celebrate what God's going to do in that situation because he's going to wow us. He's going to woo us and he delights in you. You are his happy thought. So now instead of fretting, we're fretting and we're counting it joy and we're making melodies on it. Right? If you go through the Psalms, those melodies were based on hardships. Right? They were based on trials David was facing. He wrote most of them. So, so now all of a sudden, David's fretting with his heart, or he's fretting and he's, he's making melodies of these things rather than just constantly worrying about it. Oh God, you, you have this in your hands. I, I trust you. Trust is probably found in the book of Psalms than any other book. Because David, even through his trials, even through the circumstances, even through Saul trying to kill him, he was just making melodies. He's praising God. Praising through the storm. Yeah. Jesus was in the boat. And this will probably come up in, in peace. I'll probably just talk about peace. Because trust results in joy and peace. When we trust, all of a sudden there's peace because I don't have to fix anything. Tons of people gone at the fair and at vacation. And I come in and I see the parking lot. 
No, we have some empty spaces today. Every pastor wants the parking lot full. <laughs> we want the seats full, right? It's just it's our DNA. That's how we're wired. I want this place packed. I want three services because I want this community changed. Not because I want a full church and I want to be over this big complicated thing because I know every person here is possibly one that's not facing eternity in hell. That's my motive. So, so as I come in, I'm like, I don't have to worry. God, this is your place. This is your house. This is you dwelling. I, I don't need to worry. I don't need to fret. I'm just, I'm going to fret. I'm, I'm free. I'm free. Right? So, we're going to pray corporately here, but our school of supernatural ministry begins again tomorrow night for the last session of your role for the next session, I believe it starts next week. Right? So we're going to ask anybody who's in that school just to just to come up in a moment after we open up the altar. Um, you guys, they're great. I just, I feel there's a heaviness right here, though, of just situations going on in some of our lives that's just, like, totally out of control. And, like, you're at your wit's end. I just feel heaviness on that right now that you're just, like, you don't know what to do at this point. That's a great place to be. I always, I always said, I have no idea what I'm doing leading this church. Some of you are be like, oh my gosh, he's leading us? No. God is. I don't want it to be in my ability. This really would just result in inability. But when I don't know what I'm doing, and I just trust in God, and I just let him take over and make the decisions, what's God want? What's he want to hear today? What's, what's he want me to preach today? What's, what's, what's he decide that people want today? his church, not mine, so I don't have to worry about knowing what I'm doing. I just focus on his ability, not mine. And that's the thing with, in your situation. It's a good place to be when you don't know what else to do, because now you can't do anything that God can. But when we come to a place of brokenness, when we come to a place of complete trust in God, we can no longer do it on our own. Wow, God, he really wants to touch some people like that. Oh, wow. He's in a good mood, and he wants to do some good things today. Wow. There's so many people not trusting God in their circumstances right now, and he's totally capable. If we just learn to let go, we always say that joke around, let go and let God. Today, man, just let go. God's got it. He's got your marriage. I just, I vow to this to you today. I will never intentionally take advantage of any 